I'm Debbie George S. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about uh, the SOTU blowback, State of the Union blowback. Congresswoman Yvette Harrell joins us. Uh, College Transparency Act equals more surveillance of your family and Wisconsin election news. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk. Nearly every show I start out with my first five, but today we have online holding on the phone in Congress, stepping outside of Congress, a Republican member of the United States Congress in the great state of New Mexico, and this is Congresswoman Yvette Harrell. And I've been trying to get a hold of her to talk about a bill that she introduced that relates to the Canadian truckers. And I do want to ask her about that. But uh, because she's in between votes and we can quick get a few minutes with her, I want to get her online first. And we'll do our first five later. So please welcome to our show, Congresswoman Yvette Harrell. Hello, ma'am. Hi, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful you're available. I know it's a busy day. It's always a busy day up on Capitol Hill. Uh, so I just want to, I know the State of the Union was last night. As you might imagine, I have a lot of things to say about the State of the Union. Uh, but I just as an <laughs> overarching point, I, you know, I think that what President Biden was trying to convey is everything's going great. Everything's on track. Look at all great progress. So I would just love your kind of overarching, your reaction to the State of the Union by President Biden last night. Yeah, I think he had an opportunity uh, to be either a real hero or a real zero uh, for our country. And I feel, I feel like he might have missed the mark there because he did not talk at all about our energy independence and the fact that we need to stop buying oil from Russia. And of course, you know, my state, Debbie, I, I absolutely represent oil and gas uh, counties. We have two of the largest oil producing counties in my district. But I think overall, I don't think any American walked away feeling soundly secure about the future of our country, what it looks like in terms of economics, uh, getting people put back to work, educating our children, the cost of gas at the pumps. I think people might have walked away scratching their heads because here, of course, the border state, and I have lots to talk about with this whole thing, but out of nowhere, he said he wanted to secure the border, which, of course, we've been talking about that for over a year now. And yet in the very next sentence, he said, we need, you know, immigration reform. So never really followed through on any of the topics he brought up. It felt very scattered to me, um, but did not really signal to the American people that this this administration is on top of what is happening uh, globally or at home. And I think it left more questions than answers. That is a very that was a great summary. I was it's also a very kind summary, I like to tell you, because some of the commentary I read this morning, people were saying, what country is he talking about? I mean, we people yeah. feel very concerned about America. Where, where is he living? What, what is he really um, talking about? So I want to go backwards in terms of things you said. I know because you represent, I think, is the second district in New Mexico, CD2. That's right, along the border? Yes, yes, Yeah. yes. So how is this border, and we are currently in a complete failure to enforce the border. What has that meant to the people in New Mexico? 
Oh, border security is uh, one of the biggest issues we face down there. And you know, every state in the nation is now a border state, thanks to this administration's failure to act. But what I thought was telling is it just tells me how out of touch he is. He wants to, to secure the border, he says, and yet makes no mention of how we are going to do that. They, for over a year, have allowed over 2 million people into this nation illegally and then turned around and, and rewarded them for bad behavior. Plus, you know, he talked about the opioid crisis in this country, but forgot to mention that, oh, by the way, fentanyl is the number one killer um, uh, in suicide amongst 18 to 45-year-olds when we're talking about overdosing. So he's very out of touch. And not only is it New Mexico, but it's people all over the nation that are seeing an uptick in crime. They're seeing uh, the uncertainty with the additional uh, money that we are spending at the federal level to take care of those coming here illegally. And quite honestly, we don't even know who's coming into our country because we know through records uh, that the Border Patrol has has um, sequestered or stopped people from at least 150 countries who have come to this nation illegally. So it, this is just a disaster. And again, the best way to ensure that Americans are safe is to secure our border and secure our energy independence. You know, Congressman Harrell, I remember, I'm pretty sure I talked with you about this. At, I don't know when it was. Some of the time you're on the show, we talked about how great it was at the close of the Trump presidency, the close of his one term, uh, that we were actually in America energy independent. And that changes not just the strength of our economy, the cost of oil, the cost of, of living for people in many ways, but it also makes America more secure, more stable. And it seems like I, I would love to hear the recognition out of the Biden administration that as we fall off that, you know, I think it was the first day he came into presidency, he said how, you know, he was going to end uh, one of the, the, the Keystone pipeline. I, I mean, which is just was, I mean, I guess expected because he was kind of giving a bow to the radical uh, environmentalists who don't like any oil and gas. But, you know, at the same time, sending a signal of friendliness to the Russians and their and their uh, oil oil pipeline. So I just, you know, I, I would love to hear the honesty of him just saying, look, I know I've kind of, things are different than they were before, but don't worry, we have a plan. And usually much of the plan coming out of the left is don't worry, we're gonna have green energy and solve it all. So I, I really felt, especially on energy, he just wasn't going to make any any nod toward honesty or take responsibility for the consequences of his actions. Do you think that's fair? I think that's very fair. In fact, I think the only the only two people that were pro or the only two uh, people uh, one Putin was probably one of the ones rallying around this speech because he knew we were not going to stop buying Russia, you know, funding this war. And number two, the only other entity that rallied around those comments last night of this president was the oil markets because they jumped up, the price per barrel jumped up $5 while that speech was going on. But here's the truth. He's not being honest with the American people. And because of the uncertainty and his bad policies and his actual attack on our American uh, industry in terms of energy is what's causing this rising price at the pump, the uncertainty among the stock markets, among the national markets, among our allies who now are concerned about where we will uh, be getting our energy from. And here's what everybody needs to be thinking of. Look, China is in the process of building hundreds of coal powered plants right now as we speak this year. And the reason they're doing that is because they will not be caught 
reliant on a foreign nation for their energy, which is exactly where America needs to be. We should be pumping, drilling, exporting our oil, gas, L, uh, LNG to all over the world, to our allies, and and really uh, shut the pump off, as to, uh, so to speak, to buy, uh, to Putin. Uh, that would hit them faster than anything. And this is this is blood money. I mean, we've increased the amount of uh, petroleum or oil that we buy from Russia since this administration took office. And it's a shame because under the Trump administration, we were oil uh, or energy independent. It was really helpful to have a strong economy, really putting the American people first, American small business first, American workers first. We don't see that under this administration and therefore we have really no leadership. And again, just it left people scratching their heads last night wondering, you know, who are we really uh, under the guise of? Is it somebody who understands the responsibility of putting Americans first and creating a stronger, safer America? Or is it someone who's just on the sidelines kind of uh, going down a list of wish, uh, you know, wish list for the country that, oh, by the way, none of the things he mentioned in his speech last night are free to the American people. Amen to that. The other reason I had reached out to your office and Congressman here, I'm so glad you're available. I know you're uh, sitting outside the, uh, the house. You may have to go in and, uh, and get into a vote. But you proposed something that caught my eye, and I think it was about a week ago now, but you proposed the idea that the U.S. should offer asylum to Canadian truckers in light of the heavy-handed way in which Trudeau had cracked down on them. I, I have to tell you, I mean, I've been covering the truckers on this show a lot because I think they kind of represent the the spark, the love of freedom, the kind of the, the energy that so many grassroots want to see. So uh, tell us about that bill. Yeah, this is so great. And thank you for asking. We introduced a bill on uh, last Friday that would actually give political asylum to those truckers who were under the heavy hand of the uh, the emergency or act from Canada. So those that could show that their government had harmed them either physically through their personal property, their ass, their um, bank accounts, you know, frozen assets, those kinds of things. Because this is just another way in which our governments are getting too heavy-handed. And here is how I feel. I am so proud of those that will stand up for freedom, whether they're in America or our neighbors to the north. But if we don't take a stand and protect them and protect ourselves, who knows what we look like? And this is what I'm, I'm so excited about. I, I don't care what side of the issue people are on. They may they may not side with the truckers because they're simply standing up against these mandates. But here's the thing. What happens when it's a group of teachers or police officers or private citizens or you name it? And, and if we take away the right to come together and peacefully protest, we we are are treading on very thin ice. And I believe it's in our DNA to be a free people to live prosperous, happy lives, and to stand and voice our concerns for what we believe in or what we don't believe in. But either way, it is a it is a sham to see that government would use their power. They haven't used the um, this kind of power, this kind of action since World War II. Um, so it, it's just crazy to think that our government could be so overbearing and actually freeze our financial assets. And they're doing it to people who brought coffee or donated $50. And that's what is frightening. Absolutely. I don't know if the American truck convoy has made it, truckers convoy has made its way through New Mexico. I had, yesterday I had on maps up showing where all they all are, but the American uh, truckers convoy is really replicating and symbolizing again what the Canadians faced. And I love that you bring up the point what the Canadian government chose to do in freezing the assets of people involved in a peaceful protest 
it's unprecedented. Even Canada doesn't have America's, you know, foundational promise of liberty and all that in the Constitution. Even in Canada, I think it shocked people and actually caused a little uh, pushback against Trudeau because it turned out what he instilled in the people and in the markets and in the banks was the uh, fear on the part of the customers saying, you mean I put my money in the bank and I thought it was safe and you could disagree with my politics and freeze my money? I, I think Trudeau didn't think it through well enough because he, he had to back down really very rapidly, the rapid about face and said, never mind about that. But I, I thought it was a good lesson to him. But I also think yeah. it's, a, it's a great message for America too. Go ahead. You're, yeah, I, I think that's right. And I think it's just, you know, this through this last year, we've seen so much hypocrisy in our government. Never before have we seen, you know, what's good for the goose, but not for the gander. For instance, again, you know, Nancy Pelosi had the fence put back up around the Capitol complex this week, not not on the southern border where it belongs, but around the Capitol. Why? Because I believe she's afraid of freedom. She was afraid that our American truckers were going to show up here. And again, I don't think there's any fear in them coming through and doing something terrible. I think they're simply stating the obvious. We're tired of a, a government that is not acting in the best interest of the American people. We are not going to stand and let our government uh, have control over our lives. And we're going to support our neighbors to the north that are doing the same thing that our American truckers are doing. And and one thing I want to make sure the listeners know is this wasn't, you know, just a, a wide net cast over all of of Canada. There there were protocols in place. There were background checks that had to be met. There had to be a COVID test. They had to, you know, prove that their government had had caused them financial or, or physical harm, which is no different than the uh, political asylum we give to those from Venezuela or China or other countries. So it was just though more of a sticking our flag in the ground, staking our claim and saying freedom isn't free. We're going to stand for it, whether it's in America or for our neighbors to the north. And we're not going to let our government ride roughshod over those who have a spirit of freedom and know how important it is to our country and our country, our neighbors to the north. I love that. Congressman Harrell, with this bill you've proposed, which I just love, are you able to try to, uh, can you possibly gain any Democrat support in Congress for this bill? Do you know yet? I don't know yet, but I'm hoping so. And here's why. Like I said a few minutes ago, it doesn't really matter what side of the issue that you are on. The issue should be, do you believe in freedom? Do you believe in the ability to protest peacefully? Do you believe that people should have a voice and be able to use it? And that's why I cite what happens if this was a, a teacher's union or a police department or a group of parents, a PTA club, or, you know, who cares what the a group is, but shouldn't we as Americans, as those who say we represent the people that send us to Washington, D.C., shouldn't protecting everybody's freedom be right up there at the top of the list? So to me, it shouldn't matter what side of the aisle you're on, because again, there are many, many safeguards in this bill but we should all be able to agree that freedom is a very precious commodity for, for us to hold on to. And so I'm hoping that we will see some Democrats sign on to this bill. Congressman Vett Harrell, I love your spirit. I'm so glad you're available to join us. And so for those listening on radio, this is Congresswoman Yvette Harrell. She represents the great state of New Mexico and Congressional District 2 has introduced a bill essentially encouraging Americans to consider granting asylum to people who were the victims of uh, 
prime he's not president prime minister trudeau's conduct minister. just egregious conduct yeah. toward people who are protesting I, I love that you did that plus i love catching up about the border situation and actually hearing all that you had to say about the not very inspiring uh, in my view state of the opinion uh say the union speech by uh, <laughs> president biden last night truly amazing actually do you have another minute or do you need to go I'm, I'm going to have to go pretty soon. They, I actually am going to have to go. We're there okay. on the second vote, and there's only about 40 people left to vote. So, yes, I'm going to have to jump off of here. But I appreciate you so much for letting me jump on and share about this bill and some of my thoughts about last night. Congressman Harold, great talking with you. Thanks for joining us. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Okay. So that is a uh, – honestly, I'm so glad I was able to connect with her a couple of years ago. Um, she is a – you know, she's a um, very – uh, straightforward thinking, very clear on the issues, straight, uh, straight talker person uh, representing a woman in Congress, Republican woman uh, representing the, uh, in the state of New Mexico. Grateful she could jump on the call with us, so on the show with us today. So I'm going to turn around and do my first five today, uh, just very briefly, and I called it my State of the Union, uh, SOTU, State of the Union blowback. I just want to make a couple quick points about that. Uh, number one is, this is pretty much unprecedented, but after he who occupies the White House, President Biden, gave it a state of the union, it is very customary, common, you know, this is what we do, uh, that we have usually a response by the uh, other side. So in this case, response by the Republican Party. Uh, many people vie for that, would love to be the one that got to give the very public address in response to the state of the union. Uh, this year, uh, the person that got that honor was Iowa, uh, the Iowa governor uh, named Kim Reynolds. Uh, and she did a great uh, summary way of just saying, you know, the state of the union, and she didn't say these words, these are my words, what country is this president talking about? I mean, his policies have failed at home, abroad. Everything this administration has done is simply contrary to the interests of the American people. You hear, you know, where inflation is up and all. She, she did that. I'm going to get more in, in a minute about how deceptive President Biden's uh, description, presentation was about America. It also is interesting, though, that on the American left, on the anti-American left, the Democrat Marxist Party, you have people so far to the left of even Biden, who, despite his appearance as a bumbling grandfather, you know, sniffing hair of little girls and, and being incoherent many times, he actually is a very hard leftist. And, and understand, he stood, he served as vice president under President Obama, the most hard left socialist the country had ever had sitting in the presidency and moved this country. Obama moved this country for eight years over, over, closer, closer, closer and over the cliff to socialism. This is and these people are not embarrassed by this. In fact, they maybe know not to say in big public speeches. Yeah, I'm a socialist, uh, unlike um, AOC. But the country was dragged far to the left under Obama Biden. And Biden, early on, as we talked about in the show before, Biden, early on, literally had his career launched from being a city council person who no one ever heard of to being a U.S. senator. Not the steps that many politicians are forced to make between, you know, city council, then maybe become a state rep and the state senator, then maybe run for governor or maybe run for the U.S. House. He went city council to U.S. Senate with the backing of the communist Soviet Union. If you did not know that fact, you, I can dig up the, um, there was a wonderful, wonderful book written uh, by Trevor Loudon during the time of the 2016 um, campaign when we had so many Democrats running for president. Uh, and, and he was running through, uh, excuse me, the 2020 campaign. 
He was running through Biden's background. Just so all of you understand, this is by, with the point of Trevor Loudon to say, this is not a guy, despite his bumbling, goofy, hair sniffing, you know, confused demeanor he's had for decades. This is a guy funded by hard left, funded by the communists. That's how he got from being a city council person to a U.S. Senate. It's by an organization, an organization that was doing that at that time, looking around for potentially easily winnable U.S. Senate seats in small states, heaven knows, Delaware, small as there is, finding someone who'd be willing to run and then for the rest of their time serving in the, in the Congress, they would be subservient to and submissive to the, communist, the Soviet Union agenda. That is President Biden. So back where we are right now. So we had the Iowa governor give her response. But the other thing that was amazing was as far left as Biden really is, as radical and dangerous as his policies have been, he's extremely open to the Build Back Better agenda, which is a new world order agenda. Build Back Better is a, a, a signal naming the bill he pushed. Build Back Better is a signal to the globalists, to the World Economic Forum types. Don't worry, I'm Biden, I'm present, I'm right on board, I'm, I'm right with you. The Build Back Better language is language these globalists use. But despite how far left Biden is, they actually had a further far left um, after the State of the Union response. In addition to the traditional Republican response, the Democrat president, Rashida Tlaib, who is a, you know, communist, she, Rashida Tlaib chose to give, and she did give, a kind of a response to Biden's State of the Union address. Rashida Tlaib, one of the four people, members of the squad, um, and she actually said she was giving the address on behalf of the Working Families Party. She's a Democrat from Michigan, and understand Michigan itself is very, has gone very left wing. Now, I don't know if the majority of people in Michigan want to be left wing, but that's how the state is and its governance right now. So she, Rashida Tlaib, who is a Democrat member of Congress, but she gave her little after remarks on behalf of the Working Families Party. And she basically went through the detailed progressive agenda of the left. Biden could right now, he could with a, you know, a flick of his pen, you know, a sign a bill, an order, and he could simply eliminate all college debt. This is one of her reasonable suggestions. Eliminate all college debt. You know what? Who, who wouldn't have liked that? Those of you listening who paid for your college, in my case, college and law school, without my parents' help, so I had to get loans, work two jobs. I'm not complaining. It actually taught me responsibility. But during college and law school, my parents didn't have money to send me to those schools. So I worked two jobs, got as much aid and, and loans as I could get, got a student loan, and got through. This teaches responsibility, unlike what Rashida Tlaib's plan would be, which is to t teach young people who are already being taught in America's public schools that everything you need should be free, that the only reason you don't have every single thing you possibly want is because somehow the mean rich people are depriving you of everything you should have right now. So that was one of her agenda items. She did try to say later she was not attacking President Biden. She was supporting his Build Back agenda item. But it's really interesting, just as a commentary in the Democrat Party, they have no control over the squad. I'm sure Nancy Pelosi would have preferred that Rashida Tlaib did not get up and give this response to Biden's State of the Union. But the Democrat Party really has no control over and maybe even no interest in controlling the far left socialist Marxist view 
that is held by the, the squad, including Rashida Tlaib and other people. So she had other things, you know, that she went through. But she basically is saying, you know, she's saying the Marxist agenda is here. I'm a member of Congress. We have the Democrat majority in the House. And we have, you know, a, a almost Democrat majority in the Senate, if you count the vice president, be able to vote the, the tiebreaker. We've got power. Do it now. It's the same mentality Rashida Tlaib had has as President Obama had when he took power for the first two years. He was president in the White House. He has the Democrat majority in the House, Democrat majority in the Senate, and he went for the jugular. He went for, among the main things that Obama accomplished in the first two years, was socialized medicine, something which Americans had said no to in poll after poll after poll, even during the time he was president. And even during the time he was pushing through Obamacare, which was just the, a huge step towards socialized medicine. And this is what leftists do. They have power and they try as hard as they can to do everything conceivable to push forward the Marxist agenda while they have power. And this is Rashida Tlaib's gripe, essentially, with Biden. He could be doing more. While he has the power, do it now. Do it. Do the most progressive, radical, Marxist, socialist agenda right now. That was her message. But I do want to say, I made a couple comments. I just want to back them up a tiny bit with the idea of what Biden was talking about during his State of the Union. He tried to talk about, and he did talk about the idea that, you know, everything is just so great in America right now, and isn't it wonderful? In fact, one of his lines was, essentially, isn't it great? Um, he, I'm going to get the exact language he used, um, that he said, you know, he was saying, essentially, uh, you know, the, the agenda, the reset agenda, his, oh, he said my, his rescue plan is working. Biden says his rescue plan is working. Okay, so let me explain to you how he rescued America. We finished the Trump administration of four years, energy independent. Within a you know, stroke of a pen, the day Biden took office, he eliminates the Keystone Pipeline, eliminates all sorts of drilling and energy production activity on f federal lands, and in the meantime, enables the Russian Nord Stream Pipeline. So he's doing everything he can to weaken America energy-wise and to enable the Russian uh, energy uh, oil supply. So he's, you know, this is hard to argue that he had a rescue plan that's making America better. That's just one thing. Unemployment was plunging. Unemployment, even after President Trump had to have the last year of his office, uh, of his term uh, in the White House, be afflicted by the uh, COVID and the sh uh, everything that happened under COVID, unemployment was still going down. Unemployment rates for Americans of color Amer and, and all other categories by which unemployment rates are normally reported, people of color, women, uh, people, uh, even if, uh, whether African-American, Asian-American, uh, whatever the background was, unemployment rates were dropping in all of the categories that are measured, meaning President Trump was doing a great job with the economy, a great job not so hot now. So let me just run through some of the contrasts um, because there's just, there's so much determination of the media and the left to try to contort the, uh, the first disastrous year of the Biden administration into somehow, look, see, we have the Democrats in charge, everything's great. Before I hit these numbers, just picture the border, the border. What, what makes you a country is you have a border. We had President Trump during the time as he was wrapping up his first, uh, his four years. Uh, we had Remain in Mexico policy in place. We had the border wall being constructed. We had numerous policies 
related to immigration that were essentially slowing the floods of caravans of people that the previous administration had encouraged to come to America. We were firming up our immigration system, firming up our border. And as you know, in this last year plus under President Biden, pretty much the American government has abandoned the southern border. This is not an improvement for the American people. Inflation, this is the one year plus a month or so under Biden. Inflation is up. Inflation is way, way up. One year ago it was 1.4, 1.4% inflation, you know, very handleable. Right now, year over inflation, January, January 7.5. I just want that to, you know, prices are jumping. Second half of 2021. Second half of 2021, the first year of the Biden administration, prices jumped 6%, a rate higher than any year since Jimmy Carter's stagflation gripped the nation. We are watching a destruction of the economy. And again, I urge you people, it is not by mistake. These are conscious policies. So whether it's disposable income is down, misery index is up, consumer confidence is down, dissatisfaction with the government is, is way up understand that what the Biden team has done to America in the first year has been disastrous to everyone except the radical Marxist left, which is on board with the agenda of President Biden. I could do much more about the State of the Union, but for our radio listeners, I want to be sure you know, if you're listening on radio, you're listening to America Can We Talk. My name, my show is called America Can We Talk. You can find the website for the show at americachemitalk.org. And my name is Debbie Georgiatis, and I encourage you to go to that website. In fact, if you're listening on radio, you should know you can listen to the show on our website, americachemitalk.org. And because you can do that, uh, you can see the show. You can see our guests when they appear with us. And at our website, americachemitalk.org, you can hear our blog, our, read our blogs. You can see past interviews. You can link to past shows. It's just a great source of information. And you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. A weekly newsletter just includes a never share the list. You can sign up for free at americachemitalk.org. Come back after your three-minute break. So for you folks listening online, I'm going to do something, and we could spend the whole show talking about the State of the Union, but honestly, it is so, it's, you know, so overwhelming and so unpleasant and so, I don't even know what words to say. So I'm going to turn the second half of the show to talking about some things that have been uncovered uh, related to the elections in um, Wisconsin. I'm going to turn to those in just a minute and talk to you about the Wisconsin election news. But I'm sorry, Mr. Um, very sorry, Mr. Becker, I'm jumping around. I do want to do our very quick College Transparency Act. <laughs> Thank you. In this short break, in this short break for our listeners uh, who are gone from radio, but everyone else watching online, you know, we can get, it's like the human brain can handle only so many crises, so many issues. And right now we're concerned about Russia and the Ukraine. We're concerned that we have an unenforceable border. We're concerned about inflation and being able to put food on the table and the cost of everything going up. We're concerned about so many issues in this country with COVID and regulations just trapping us that we sometimes, you know, it's like that thing they, uh, that kind of adage they use or meme where they say, you know, when you're trying to distract your dog because he's pestering you while you're cooking dinner. So to get the dog to get away from you in the kitchen, you say, hey, squirrel. And the dog goes charging out the back door because he wants to chase the squirrel in the backyard. 
and you're and this is the American people are treated like the family dog sometimes by the media. Your their dogs running around in the backyard trying to find that squirrel because you're trying to get him away from you. The media tries to distract you or fails to pay attention to astonishingly important things. One of those things being a law that has now gone through a proposed bill, gone through the U.S. House, now uh, gone through the U.S. Senate, and is now at conference committee, and it is called the College Transparency Act. The College Transparency Act, and you know everyone loves transparency. Oh, that sounds good. Who's, who could be against transparency? But understand, understand, it is designed to enhance, by orders of magnitude, enhance the government's ability and right to gather information about every single student who attends college, gather information from them of every conceivable nature. The college students have no option to opt out. College students cannot opt out. So you're going to go to college. This College Transparency Act, which I can encourage you, they will not be transparent about uh, putting it in place, but it gathers information from college students about ethnicity, race, age, sex, attendance, program of study, military veteran status, enrollment, credential status, distant education, enrollment status, economic status, your parents' participation in remedial coursework, status as a parent of, independent, of dependent children, incarceration or confinement of your parents, disability status, massive amounts of information. And I'll say right now, welcome back to our radio listeners. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I'm in the middle of telling you about one of the many things that the Democrats are pushing through in Congress while we are all distracted by the Ukraine and Russia and every other thing happening. And this, this is the way America becomes a surveillance society. We be, and not that we aren't already. We become a worse, a more burdened, a more shackled surveillance society. The federal government is now have, the Congress now has a bill sitting in committee trying to work out the differences. And this, uh, this is, it's the bill is given a happy name. Who wouldn't like this name? The College Transparency Act. It was actually sneaked into, stuck into the uh, last minute as a last amendment, a last minute amendment to the America Completes Act. Moved through the House on February 4th without a hearing, uh, only 12 minutes of discussion. This is a bill that would allow colleges, require colleges to gather immense amounts of information from every student of all, everything about your background, everything about your student, not just gather the data, requires, allows the federal government, the, the, the colleges must share it with the federal government. The federal government then shares it with every agency that they think needs this information. And pretty soon, even more so, every bit of knowledge about you, the student, your family, your background, everything is part of the permanent federal government database, not just kept in place in case you get arrested one day and they try to figure out where you might be hiding or something. I'm talking about everything about your life. And this, this, as I say, this little act, this transparency act got slipped into a larger bill last minute, got passed. And before the members of Congress were probably even tuned into it. Uh, also, by the way, let me add some other things to it. Biometric data, personality data, data, behavioral data collection, such as facial expression, threat and risk scores, predictive analysis, and social emotional data are not prohibited by this bill, meaning all this stuff can be collected by the college and turned over. And I raise it. I'm going to read in more about this and come back with you another day about this. But I just want to make the point. It's almost impossible for anyone to keep up with everything. 
but understand where we are in America when we have the anti-American Marxist left in control of the government. Everything they do is geared to enhancing their capacity to control your life. Everything they do is geared to enhancing their power, growing their power, taking power and resources, financial resources, out of the hands of the American people and into the hands of the government. It's always that way. And so they have a chance to slip something in, a bill and people in Congress, I don't even know if they saw it. I'm raising it with you because, and by the way, you can read about this on our website. If you go to our website, americachemitalk.org, on the homepage, homepage, under shows, drop down, list of links, we list our articles that we look at. I urge you to read this article. Understand, the left is always about gathering information, gathering surveillance. I don't mean always the left. I'm just as upset whether the person residing in the White House uh, or has a majority in Congress is Republican or Democrat. The concept of simply data mining, controlling, da gathering data, keeping track of it, enabling through congressional legislation to share it is all about you losing your freedom. Could not urge you strong enough to recognize this kind of stuff. Uh, and and I mean, this is why you don't want to have the uh, anti-American left in control of Washington because they will always be doing more things like this. Okay, I want to turn and talk about, um, you know, one other quick thing before I get to my final topic is Wisconsin election news. I want to run by uh, three quick things by you. Number one, I just want you to think about the contrast between the Ukrainian people rising up against the Russian invasion, the Russian soldiers engaged in the invasion, invasion, the Chinese army that's regularly letting the world know, as a recent thing was, Chinese uh, army said, they're working to expand and push masculinity and starting at younger ages and teaching young men to be masculine. I want you to contrast that, what's needed in this world today, you know, with, with what's occurring in the world. Contrast that with a recent announcement under the Biden administration about U.S. military training. And they are confirming U.S. military training confirming that they are focusing on training their officers, you know, the people in charge, training their officers on how to handle gender, gender identity questions. And these are actually, instead of learning like how to, you know, shoot better, how to, what strategies, new weapons, uh, new surveillance of our enemies, what things that you need to know. You have the U.S. Army training officers on gender identity, and they actually went through this entire training called Policy on the Military Service of Transgender Persons and Persons with Gender Dysphoria. And portions of the presentation were given to this free beacon um, uh, website by a whistleblower just saying, do you understand this is what's being taught to our military? So they run through scenarios like, what if you have someone in your unit who um, is a male, I mean, born a male, as a guy, but tells you that in his outside life, outside of military, he's living as a woman. He kind of wishes he were a woman, but he doesn't really want to be a woman, so he's not going to do anything about it. But he's living as a woman, but he's a guy in the military. So they run through scenarios. You know, scenario B, what if he, you know, is everything I just said, but he tells you I'm kind of interested in looking at gender transition. I might want to become a woman. It runs through all of the ways, the protocol, the officers are supposed to follow in order to help these people with gender dysphoria, rather than to say, you know what, we need really strong fighting people in our military, and we cannot distract military training and officer training with gender dysphoria and gender sensitivity questions and training sessions. I just wanted you to contrast America's military readiness 
without a Russia, China, Ukraine, other places when we indulge in this. And again, as I say so often about the Biden administration, this is not accidental. This is not coincidental. This is intentional. It is the destruction of the weakness of America's military happening right in front of our eyes. And so few members of Congress, so few people with any bully pulpit willing to speak up about it. Okay. Uh, next thing I'm going to hit you very quickly with, um, I want to tell you about if you like, if you enjoy this show, ways you can support this show. On my website, americacanwetalk.org, number one, I urge you to join. It's a mere $50 a year, $50, $50 a year at americacanwetalk.org. You can join via credit card, um, or you can actually uh, join using a check or Venmo. But the $50 a year is, you know, very inexpensive to become a member of America Can We Talk. And as a member, you can... You get a discounted rate at our upcoming conferences. We have, we have upcoming conferences that are so great, great speakers coming, and you get a much discounted rate if you join. Um, and you also have, if you're in the Dallas area or in visiting North Texas, and you're here on a Thursday, we are Thursday in-studio audiences comprised of members. So you can come in studio. I have some people come quite often in studio, others don't come so often. Uh, but anyway, I wanna urge you to think about that. Join America Can We Talk. You can also donate to support America Can We Talk. It is a, on the page, you can make a donation. I can't tell you, this is a listener-supported show. Listener-supported show. Two other ways to support this show before I get to telling you this amazing stuff about Wisconsin. Mind-blowing information out of Wisconsin and their last election cycle. Uh, but the last thing I'll tell you very quickly to support this show, two products where I get a small uh, percentage if you decide to make a purchase there. One is a beverage, and I wanna ask Mr. Becker to put that happy slide up, but I drink one can, one small can of this beverage every morning. The beverage is called HydroShot, not sold in stores, only available online. It has a nitric oxide boost. It is a it is a unique. Nobody else is able to do this process. Uh, and it is a it's a, a so you can get it h2bev.com h the, the numeral two bevbev.com. You can order a case of it. It's not very expensive. It comes right to your home. And I have one can every morning. It increases performance, your endurance, your focus. It is a it's a um, I just can't urge you strong enough to try this up. HydroShot comes in three flavors, zero calories, keto friendly. And when you go to h2bev.com, use the promo code DEBBIEG, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, DEBBIEG. You get 10% off your order if you do that. And the reason I know about this stuff, the reason I know is that after my husband and I had a pretty serious bout of the flu, I was talking to a doctor friend of mine, just saying, man, you know, we're kind of over the flu, but we're dragging. He said, I'm telling you, you won't believe this stuff. It's, it's just unbelievably great. H2Bev, and the, um, when you start to drink it, I mean, you will notice in the morning, it just, it, it's uh, focus, energy, uh, and it has, there been now testing done using H2Bev to help people injured in athletics, people who are, um, you have all sorts of challenging uh, health situations, h2bev.com, order a case, get 10% off. You will love it, I promise you will love it. And their test showing amazing efficacy in all sorts of ways in helping your body heal and be healthy. Uh, number two I wanna tell you is, if you ever have gone to mypillow.com, you, you know that website has just fabulous products. They have great towels, sheets, um, they have wonderful pillows, the actual pillows, mypillow.com, actual pillows. Uh, they have slippers, bathrobes, 
And I'm telling you, I wouldn't be touting any of these things unless we had bought them ourselves. My husband and I bought these high-quality products. If you can put that up at MyPillow.com, what you want to do is go to MyPillow.com, and you can, on that website, you get up to 66% off, up to 66% off on everything you order if you use the promo code at the bottom, DebbieG. D-E-B-B-I-E-G. So two ways to support this show. Go to h2bev.com, go to mypillow.com, use the Debbie G in the promo code. You get a discount, you get a great price. I get a little bit of compensation and it helps support this show. Hope you'll do that. Okay, last thing to tell you for the day, and it's actually a huge story, which I think, I, I, you know, we talked in this show many, many, many times with many, many experts about what happened in the election of 2020. And we have talked about the fact that the federal government is trying to stop you from talking about what happened in the election of 2020. In fact, that is why the, um, the um, Homeland Security put out a, uh, uh, yeah, DHS put out a bulletin now two weeks ago this past Monday, essentially saying that you may be guilty of being a domestic terrorist if you continue to say that there was fraud in the election of 2020. You may be, a, they're telling you, this is the federal government, the most anti-American, tyrannical uh, issuance by this uh, administration. You can't talk about uh, domestic, you can't talk about election fraud. You might be a domestic terrorist. This is how afraid they are of having the American people understand the scope of election fraud in 2020. And, and even though we're now, we're into the first year plus of the Biden administration, research continues in the big swing states, in the relevant swing states about what happened in election 2020. This particular thing I'm gonna to talk to you about involves the state of Wisconsin. And in Wisconsin, there's a gentleman who's a former Wisconsin Supreme Court judge, justice. So clearly, you know, well-educated, you know, a, a, a person of the competence and ability to serve on the Supreme Court of Wisconsin, and obviously a lawyer, his name is Michael Gableman. Michael Gableman, and he was hired to look into the Wisconsin elections in 2020 to understand what happened. And I, I'm gonna have a couple clips that I'm gonna play for you in just a minute. But first I wanna tell you these facts and just have you process these facts. Gableman, after this exhaustive investigation, reported that, and you know we talk about Zuckerberg boxes, and this is the subject of the upcoming film uh, by Dinesh D'Souza that he's talking about how the Zuckerberg essentially paid for all of these drop boxes, for the mail-in ballot drop boxes, put them all over the country in Democrat districts, in the swing states especially, in the districts more likely they believe to vote Democrat. So these are places where you can get a hold of your mail-in ballot and you can fill it out and just drop it off in this box. And as many people have recounted, obvious huge concerns about election fraud just through the vehicle, the mail-in ballots. Please listen to this fact, what Gableman's reporting. He is saying that in the state of Wisconsin, in the five, you know, he called them Zuckerberg districts, in the five counties, the five counties where they have all these boxes, these mail-in ballots. So, you know, no one ever sees a person. They, they, someone fills out a ballot. They drop it in the box, and the ballot gets counted. In those five Zuckerberg districts, of the people living in nursing homes, we're not talking about old people's homes where they're mentally alert. We're talking about nursing homes where they're senior and unwell and not mentally competent. 
Do you know the percentage of people in those five Zuckerberg counties who are in senior, who are in senior assistant, you know, living centers, senior nursing homes? What percentage of those people living in those homes, patients in those homes, do you think voted in the 2020 election? Between 95 and 100 percent. Now, that doesn't happen in a good year in, in a normal nursing home. Between 95 and 100 percent of people residing in nursing homes in the Zuckerberg, you know, uh, cheating districts, well, I don't know what you call them, I mean, they're just, the boxes were obviously intended to permit election fraud, to create election fraud, too. So between 95 and 100 percent of the people in the nursing homes voted uh, in the 2020 election. And I'm just going to say straight out, that didn't happen. It is not true that 95 to 100% of those people living in nursing homes actually were mentally competent to vote. So I sent to Mr. Becker a couple of videos, and I want to just play, this is the first one, Mr. Becker, I sent you in the original email. This is this lawyer trying to testify, giving testimony about what he discovered. These, the whole purpose of these illustrations no, this isn't one. I'm are sorry, that's illust- not the right one. The very, the one that came in the original email, before I, the ones I added. Uh, that was the one in the first email, Debbie. Okay, then we got to start at zero, zero. It's supposed to start at zero, zero. Uh, it was starting at zero, zero, Debbie. <laughs> okay, this is going to bug. Okay, go ahead and play them all. I'll have to explain more. Sorry. These, the whole purpose of these illustrations are to illustrate the real world and real person consequences of the decisions that are made, in this case, by five out of the six commissioners on the Wisconsin Elections Commission. These were not academic exercises. These were real world and had real world consequences and left a trail of victims. We've only been able, we've, we, we've been able to interview a number of people, but we got 92,000 residents in continuing care facilities in Wisconsin and in the Zuckerberg five cities. We've been able to look at the, the numbers. In the Zuckerberg five cities, in all of those counties, those nursing homes reported a voting rate of 100%, anywhere in between 95% and 100%. These are the people who voted as a result of Wex, of the commissioner's illegal conduct. Okay, so sorry, that was the person you were so right, Mr. Becker. So please grasp what he's saying. In the Zuckerberg areas, people residing in nursing homes voted at a rate of 95 to 100%. And obviously, many of you are aware in nursing homes, uh, and you'll hear in the next clip in just a minute, uh, the people there, many of them are not at all mentally competent. They don't know what they're, they don't know, they're unfortunately suffering some sort of medical mental demise, and they are not functioning. And yet, this is what he's saying is, number one, they discovered this, he, his, his research, this uh, Michael Gableman researched this, and then he's saying, and the Wisconsin legislature, the Wisconsin election officials just went ahead and certified and, and counted all those votes. Votes dropped by mail and ballot into the Zuckerberg boxes. Okay, so sorry about that. Mr. Becker, you're so right. I didn't realize how that one started. Let's go with the, net, the first one I sent you, the next. This is when they went to the nursing homes to talk to the people. I want you to look at the people that Wisconsin is saying they counted their vote. He looked on the My Vote website and discovered that his father had requested a mail-in ballot. Mr. Jankowski 
voted and returned it all before election day. The Wanakee clerk uh, told the son that since no one in nursing homes has an ID, they aren't required to provide ID. All they have to do is give consent. His son, the son asked how his dad gave consent since he doesn't speak or write. And the clerk said that pointing isn't acceptable or an eye wink would be okay as well. I want you to meet Mr. Jankowski yourself. Okay, I'm Wally Jankowski, I'm 62. This is my dad, Walt Jankowski, exact same name. The second, he is 84, born in 1937. And do you, do you have the power of attorney? Or yeah. That, you do, okay, good. I'm a guardian. You're a guardian? Yeah. Have you been making the decisions for a while then? Yes. Okay, healthcare and financial? Since I've been 17. Since you've been 17, so it's been a long time. Yeah. How long has uh, your father been institutionalized? He's been here since about 1976, 70, 75, 76, somewhere in there. And with respect to the cognitive decline, how did that get going? Uh, Dad had a brain surgery in uh, Canada back in the early 70s and it didn't go very well and he's been basically institutionalized ever since. And you've been his guardian since you're 17? Yep, so, as soon as I turned 17, and my mother thought I could take on a little more responsibility. So. Right, and so with respect to um, the voting, were you surprised that your father voted in 2020? I was, I uh, actually after uh, I looked on the I Vote Wisconsin thing, I looked and I, I'm like, oh, this can't be true. He requested a absentee ballot, and then he filled it out himself. And the only record showed of any voting for him was in that election, of course, since uh, he's been in these institutions. Which election was that? Okay. So this is a guy whose vote the Wisconsin uh, election board counted. There's another video, and I don't know if we can quick play that. We have to cut it off in the middle. I want a second video to show you. I think, right? I'd like to. I'd like you to meet Ms. Merrill Barrett, another voter in the presidential election in 2020. A memory problem, probably for 20 years, but it has progressed to the point now where she has a difficult time remembering names of people. She's uh, she's not capable of making many decisions at all. Her health care decisions were turned over to me in 2009, I believe. So she's uh, basically not capable any longer of even remaining awake for more than a few minutes. Uh, she's being fed by hand and she's currently in hospice care. So the medications have been pretty well cut off. I've uh, signed off on most of the medications that she, she gets, but any, any okay, of the memory- stop that. I just want to make this point. When you're that lawyer, you're a former Supreme Court Justice of Wisconsin, you actually look into what votes were counted in Wisconsin. Whatever number he just said there were, number of voters, 98,000 or something of voters, uh, I mean, excuse me, of people living in um, retirement homes, in nursing care homes. And you realize in the five counties where Zuckerberg plotted, planted all of his cheating, vote cheating boxes. I mean, that's all they were. They're just vote fraud enablement uh, boxes to drop mail-in ballots. 
and you're this guy researching, and he did this, what you just saw in that video, he did this with vote after vote. He went to see the person who allegedly cast that vote. You can see in both cases, the two little videos I showed you, one guy has, has been in the, uh, you know, completely mentally incapable since the 1970s. The other one is this woman, you can see her, and that's whose count they voted, vote they counted. And now I want to go to what sits in the lap of the Wisconsin legislature. So this lawyer uh, who did this investigation, he also had many other numbers I can't go into right now, but he's making the argument to the Wisconsin legislature, you need to decertify the election. You need to decertify the electors you certified because obviously this vote was fraudulent. It was a fraudulent vote. And he knows it and he sees these cases like I just showed you. And the answer of the Wisconsin legislature, they've now had two times in which they've had presented overwhelming evidence of election fraud. And the lawyer for the Wisconsin legislature says, not the one doing the investigating, the lawyer employed by the Wisconsin legislature says, there's nothing we can do. There's no path forward. We can't decertify because there's no path forward. That's what he is saying. That's what the legislature is saying. So there's even among the Republicans in the legislature mocking and ridiculing and eye rolling that we can't do anything. What are we supposed to do? Let me tell you people, if we in this country cannot have, first of all, the Wisconsin legislature can decertify the election. They can just vote and say, yes, there was overwhelming fraud. We decertify. Maybe nothing can come of that. Maybe there's no legal path forward. Even that would be better because it would at least let the people of America know there was massive election fraud. But even more important, America has to find some way, some way to make things right for what happened in 2020. For radio listeners listening to Debbie Georgiatis, America Can We Talk, come back every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. Talk to you tomorrow. For the rest of our audience, I just want to encourage you to say, if you think, if you're one of those people, and, and on Twitter, you can see these videos, and then people conning, commenting, oh my gosh, give it up, come on, Biden's in office. You, this, if the election of 2020 had that much fraud in Wisconsin and other states uncovering similar levels, similar levels of fraud, and what your answer is, well, I know, but hey, Biden won, what can we do? That is like saying to someone, yeah, you know, we robbed your bank, and I know you know we have the money, but we don't have to give it back. We don't have to. Mm -mm, not doing it. And the system saying to the bank, sorry, we can't do anything about that. This was a stolen election. And because the anti-American left is so radical, so socialist, so Marxist, it's like stealing a country. It's like they stole a country. And it is imperative that serious thinkers on the conservative side of the aisle say, we're going to think of better answers than just to say, well, you know, we have to just... Um, you know, we, we can't do anything about it. We just got to let it go. We, there have to be better answers for conservatives in this country. Conservative leaders need to stand up and say, and let me just tell you folks, if this were something and the roles are reversed and somehow Trump was sitting in the White House having stolen the election and Biden's team had the election stolen, the Democrats would have the media attention of every media outlet in this country with just those videos, just those videos. This is what the Democrats plotted in this country, in Wisconsin, and the other swing states, along with all the other forms of fraud, it cannot be enough for Republicans in, in those legislatures to sit on their hands and say, well, we don't really have a vehicle, we don't know how to do this, we really can't fix this, nothing we can do about that. It cannot be okay. 
It cannot be okay. You don't get to steal a country. More on this Wisconsin stuff tomorrow, but I do, before I turn to why it matters to you, I want to quickly tell you that tomorrow we have a fabulous guest joining us for our in-studio audience, our Thursday show, which is the uh, gentleman from Washington, D.C. named Frank Gaffney, founder of Center for Security Policy. Huge, huge, great show tomorrow parsing through all of the unknown elements, the Ukraine, Russia, many elements you may not understand if you read mainstream media. Tune in tomorrow to hear Frank Gaffney. And now I'll turn to telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started. Uh, Supreme Court speech faces irrefutable blowback from reality. Since Trump left office, inflation's out of control, gasoline more than doubled, unemployment's up, wages are down, consumer confidence is way down, Defunding the police has been catastrophic in every city. He finally said, we don't back that, but I don't think he had the permission of the radical leftist element uh, to say that. U.S. military obsessed with pushing transgenderism while Russian army invades Ukraine. No speech or PR effort can save Biden's presidency. Americans did not vote for this agenda and are more and more stridently opposed to everything Biden is doing, and they should be. On the College Transparency Act is more surveillance. While America's public American public's attention is diverted to Ukraine and the pandemic unraveling, leftist house marches on with a radical left agenda. McConnell is not stopping everything. He's not stopping a lot of things. Leftist initiative, College Transparency Act, already passed by the House and Senate in reconciliation right now, vacuums up huge data trove relative to every student, every activity, every day, no student ability to opt out, and this was an initiative supported by Bill Gates. What could go wrong? Representative democracy and engaged legislature and public transparency gone. Leftist lobbyist-driven agenda is dismantling Americans' freedom day by day. Dems must be thrown out in November, if only we can have fair elections, a whole other issue. And Wisconsin election news, Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice, very highly regarded, act as special counsel to review the 2020 election irregularities in Wisconsin, produced over-the-top proof of massive fraud, outcome-changing magnitude, Zuckerberg-funded ballot harvesting, producing 95 to 100% turnout from nursing homes. Recommends a hard, this lawyer recommends to the legislature again in Wisconsin, the Supreme Court justice taking a hard look at decertifying Wisconsin election results. America's election fraud dilemma by analogy. A massive theft of diamonds has occurred. The details of the theft have been uncovered. Everyone knows that diamonds have been found. They're in plain sight. But elected spineless police, or in this case, rhinos, throw up their hands and say there's nothing we can do. Americans must insist. The GOP must take every opportunity to expose and confirm the truth of election fraud. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America Can We Talk? Truth about America.